It is great to see, oh, now, now you can hear me. Okay, so it's great to see you all here in person. Folks online, glad you're tuning in. Uh, here's where we're gonna start. Let's have a show of hands. How many of us are bike riders? Can, we can ride a bike. Wow, surprisingly few of us can ride bikes. Um, there's no shame if you can't ride a bike. It's okay, I, my balance is not great, but I pretty much can ride a bike. Um, and if we can ride a bike, that's usually because somebody, often our parents, taught us, right? We were discipled, discipled in bike riding. Well, bike riding is cool and all, and you know, in Duluth we have some amazing trails, but let's talk about something way more important. How many of us are followers, we're disciples of Jesus? We can live like Jesus. We have his life, his kind of life. Dallas Willard, in his fantastic book, The Divine Conspiracy, wrote, when you teach children or adults to ride a bicycle or swim, they actually do ride, a, ride, ride bikes or swim on appropriate occasions. You don't just teach them they ought to ride bicycles or that it's good to ride bicycles or they should be ashamed if they don't. Similarly, when you teach people to bless those who curse them, they actually do bless those who curse them, even family members. Interesting, he added that. Um, they recognize the occasion as it arises for what it is and respond from the heart of Jesus, which has become their own. They do it, and they do it well. Imagine driving by a church with a large sign in front that says, we teach all who seriously commit themselves to Jesus how to do everything he said to do. That's who we want to be as a church. Because we want to actually ride the bike. Because that's living, that's coming to life. That's why we're studying the book of Colossians this summer. Because in it, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's this early follower of Jesus, church planter, he teaches us, he shows us how to actually live it. The part of Colossians that just blows me away, it's this part where you get like a master class on living in Christ. In fact, my small group last, um, Last fall, we actually memorized this part of Colossians. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. It is astounding. It starts out like this. Uh, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Here's the practical meaning of the resurrection to you in your life. And then it ends with, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, We'll do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we say, everything we do, imagine that it is empowered by Jesus and it represents Jesus. That's living. That's doing it. That's following Jesus. That's riding the bike. Today, we're going to unpack that. We are. We're going to get a great picture of what it looks like to ride the bike, to live like Jesus. But let me tell you, there's a thing here. There's like a tension. Because it's not actually really about what we do. It's more about who we are, our identity. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like, you know, Paul's main message to us today would be something like this. To come to life, 
your new life, you live. Making yourself alive, you stop. Boy, the Apostle Paul sounds a lot like Yoda. Yeah, okay. That, that's my attempt at a joke. But I want to tell you that there's actually a thing here. <laughs> there is. Like Yoda, what Paul is telling us today sounds mystical and weird and counterintuitive. But stay open to that, okay? Stay open to it. All right, grab a Bible. We're on page 806 in the Bibles we have here. I don't know what page in the Bible you have at home. You can find it for yourself. It's Colossians chapter 3. Let's pray. Let's ask God to do this. To, to actually, uh, that, let's tell him that we want to ride the bike. We, we want to live like Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I uh, invite you here even more. Come now. And God, if, if we are your followers, if we're disciples, we're apprentices, we're students of Jesus, and God, I, I do ask that we stop just talking about how this is a good thing to live like Jesus, and we actually live it, and live it well. God, as a church, we want that. We want to live like Jesus. We want people to see us and go, yep, that's Jesus. That's how he would live. Those are his followers. We want that love to pour through us. So come now, Holy Spirit, in power and transform us today. Meet us as we reach out to you. Amen. All right. So um, if we're going to ride the bike, if we're going to live like Jesus, the first thing is where are we looking you know, if, when you teach the little kids, right, to ride their teeny tiny bikes, it matters where they're looking, right? If they're always looking down at their pedals or they're, they're, they're looking back at you, that's a problem. Well, they need to look ahead. If we're going to live like Jesus, are we looking at Jesus? Two weeks ago, Clint unpacked this that we need to set our hearts, our minds on who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and who Jesus will be. And because we are raised with him, who we are in him. So, starting in chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Oh, love it. This is so good. All right, so to ride the bike, to live like Jesus, where are we looking? Are we focused? Are we focused on Jesus and the fact that his life is already in us? Is that where we're looking? Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. We gotta read the whole passage here, okay? So next, when we're teaching the kids to ride the bike, it can also be helpful to tell them what bike riding is not. Bike riding is not standing on your feet. It's not balancing on your feet. And next, Paul tells us what this is not. It is not living our old sinful lives. Last week, Steph unpacked how we can repent, how we can break free of our old lives. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, 
But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. There, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Boom, Christ is all and he is in all. Oh, new life. Okay, here we go. This is it. This is riding the bike. This is what we're going to read now. This is living like Jesus, his life. Here we go. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right. If we didn't have, if we had an unclear picture of what it looked like to ride the bike, to live like Jesus, well, Paul lays it out, right? This gives us a terrific picture of what it looks like. What, what do bike riders, what do followers of Jesus do? Starts out with the big five. Did you see the big five? The big five virtues right at the start. We are compassionate and kind. There's kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Is that how we live? Do we ride that bike? Compassion, right? This is having sympathy, concern for people who are suffering. Jesus, he wept for people who were in pain and he actually helped them. Do we? Kindness, kindness. This is being friendly and generous and considerate, right? It's not being mean. Jesus, right? He, he showed so much kindness. He was always kind to everyone. Are we, even in our online posts? Humility. It's thinking less about ourselves, less pride. Like Jesus, can we reach that pedal? or gentleness, tenderness. Jesus, he, he raised a little girl from the dead. And this is the king of the universe, right? He could have just snapped his fingers to do it. But instead, he took this little girl's hand and he spoke to her gently. Is that how we live our lives? And then patience. This is, this is slowing down. It's being cool with having to wait. You know, Jesus was on a mission, saving the world, and he let people interrupt him. Do we? 
And I love how Paul immediately takes these virtues and he applies them in our lives, in our relationships with other people. These aren't things that you just do sitting on the couch at home. No, 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 no. He, he immediately says, like, this is in verse 14. He's like, okay, you apply this by bearing with each other, by forgiving one another. And then, right after that, verse 14, he says, okay, there's one more virtue that ties this all together, that makes this all work. Love, agape, agape, this unconditional, self-sacrificial love, the kind of love that we see from Jesus on the cross. Do we have that love in our lives, in us, and flowing out of us? And then again, Paul immediately gets practical, verse 15 and 16. He says, if we have that love, if we have those virtues, then it's going to affect our community, right? We're, we're going to have peace, peace in our church, in community. We're, we're going to have thankfulness. We're going to have a healthy community where we teach each other to ride the bike, where we care enough to call each other out on our junk, where we, where we sing and worship together. Ultimately, Paul is saying to ride the bike, to, to, to live like Jesus, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we say, everything we do, imagine, it is empowered by Jesus. It represents Jesus. Is that us? Is that how we live? Yes, kinda, sorta, maybe, huh? Could it be, could it be that we spend more of our time uh, thinking about how we ought to live like Jesus, how it's good to live like Jesus, ashamed that we don't live like Jesus. We spend more time there than we do actually living like Jesus and doing it well. I get this, I really do. I've been following Jesus for quite a while, and I can remember in the early days, there were years, long years, where I was a lousy follower of Jesus. Right, you, my life didn't look any different than anybody else's life. You couldn't look at me and see, yeah, that guy, he's been raised with Christ. What gives? Right, what? what? What's go? Why? Maybe we're missing something here, right? Maybe something strange like Yoda. We'll we'll get to that. First, though, I need to say um, this is so so common that people who call themselves Christians don't live like Jesus. It is so common that many of us have given up. We're we're just not even trying anymore. Now, you know, these parts of the Bible that talk about it, we just ignore them, skip over them. You know, that doesn't really apply to me. Ugh, ugh, this, that is not good. No, this is gonna keep us from coming to life. The part about following Jesus where we actually live like Jesus is not optional. No, if, when this thing started, the early, early Christian teaching, this was like standard teaching that you live like Jesus. And, and it's not just Colossians or Ephesians or 1 John. It is all throughout the Bible that we are transformed to live like Jesus. These virtue and vice lists in the Bible are a huge part of that. 
Now, if, if this, this is not bad news, I want to say that. Right now, if you're feeling like guilty, like, oh, whoa, he's talking to me. I don't live like, whoa, this is not bad news. We're, we're missing it if we think it's bad news. This is incredibly good news that we can ride the bike. We can live like Jesus. We can come to life. Jesus, bring us to life. Um, let's go back to verse 12. Okay, there was something in verse 12 that we kind of just like whizzed by. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, the word holy there means what you think it means. It's pure and blameless and spotless, like God is holy. So why is Paul telling people who are already holy to be more compassionate? Why is he telling people that are holy to be more humble? Why is he telling them to be patient if they're already holy? Yoda Paul, you're up again. Uh, to come to life, your new life, you live. Making yourself alive, you stop. Okay, that probably still doesn't quite make sense. And it's okay, but we're getting closer. We really, we really are. You see, the thing here is that it's not just about what we do. It's about who we are. Here, the Apostle Paul, he's not just been showing us what followers of Jesus do. He's also been showing us who we are in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So, who are bike riders, followers of Jesus? Who are we? Let's break it down. First verse one, he said, since then you have been raised with Christ. As followers of Jesus, we are already raised with Christ. Already. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Our old sinful lives are dead. We are dead to those lives. And our new life is in God. It's in him. When Christ, who is your life, in fact, our new life is Christ's life. We have Christ in us. He is all and he is in all. Verse 11, who are we? We are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. All right, if we're followers of Jesus, okay, we're holy, and it's not because we are particularly compassionate, humble, or patient. No, no, no. We are holy and blameless and spotless because of Jesus, because we are raised with him. This is super important. And it's not just because Jesus died for our sins on the cross. He did, and it's, it, that's important, right? It absolutely is. The wages of sin are death, right? Because of our sin, we all deserve spiritual death, eternal separation from God. And Jesus, he paid the price in full on the cross, and he nailed our sins to that cross. Hallelujah. And there's so much more. Jesus didn't just die the death we should have died. No, it's not like we get out of prison with the pardon from the governor and we walk out ex-cons, penniless, with no real hope of a good life. No, no, no. Jesus didn't just die the death we should have died. He also lived the life we should have lived. A perfect, sinless life full of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and amazing love. And we get that life, 
We do. The Bible talks about how we get his righteousness, his perfection. When God looks at us, he sees that. We are holy. Again, this is important. If we're ever going to ride the bike, if we're going to live like Jesus, we have to understand that we are holy. We have Jesus' righteousness. Now, if you're like me, maybe you think too much, um, you might immediately think, whoa, 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 wait a minute, hold on. So are we just like holy on paper? You know, it's like Jesus took our report card with that big F on it and he just like rips up that report card and hands us his A-plus report card and now, hey, we're an A student on paper, right? We still can't pass the test. I'm still the same old dunce. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't feel great to just be an A student on paper, to be holy on paper. And that is not, it is not how this works. Frankly, I'm not sure I can completely explain how it works. I'm not sure anybody can. It's more like we do get his A-plus report card. God sees that, absolutely. And Jesus puts in us his ability to pass the test. He puts his knowledge in us, and it hasn't completely worked itself out yet. It's not like we're completely conscious of that knowledge. Remember, Christ, Christ is in us. He is. Somehow, in some mystical but very real way, his holiness, his righteousness, his goodness is in us. That is the new life in us. It's like Yoda Paul would say. To come to life, you must live, we must live our new life. Jesus' life that is already in us. We need to stop trying to make ourselves alive. All right, so if we step back here to, to ride the bike, to, to live like Jesus, we, we have to come to terms with our true identity who we are as followers of Jesus. In many ways, Christian maturity, Christian maturity is simply taking our identity as followers of Jesus and having it become our most important identity, our core identity in our lives. That's what it is. Think about the identities in your life. I mean, there's lots of them, right? You're, you're a daughter, maybe a, a, a son. You could be a husband, a wife, a parent, a friend. You know, maybe your, your identity is tied to the fact that you're a student or some profession. You're a plumber or a teacher, a librarian, a doctor, lawyer, whatever it is. Or, or maybe you find your identity in your passions, your hobbies. You know, I'm a mountain biker. I'm a skier. I'm a gardener or a hunter. Or maybe it's somewhere else. I'm a Democrat or a Republican. I'm a vegetarian. Okay, we got a lot of competing identities. The question is, which is our core identity? Which is our most important identity? Now, you're in church right now, so you might be tempted to think, follower of Jesus, that's my most important identity. Let's be honest. How, how do we actually live? Really, our most important identity is the identity that gives us righteousness. Now, the Bible says a lot about righteousness. For today, let's just think of righteousness as this churchy word for the, the righteousness is for us being satisfied that we're good enough. 
It's us being good, being, accepting the fact that we live up to standards. And that identity is the one when things get tough, when, when, when we're under pressure, we run to that identity for comfort. That's the one that if it's threatened, we freak out. So what is the core identity in our lives? You know, is, is it that I need, you know, I, I need my family to be good. I need this particular relationship to be good for me to feel good. Or I need to be successful at work, right? I need to be moving forward and getting ahead for me to feel like, you know, I'm living up, like I, I matter. Or is it that, you know, I need to do that favorite activity I have or have my political party win for me to feel peace? Hey, if we're followers of Jesus, we have his righteousness. And there's no righteousness better than his righteousness. We don't need anything else to be satisfied that we are good, to know that we are dearly loved, loved beyond measure. That's what we get if we're followers of Jesus. Do we live into that? Okay. Here's the thing about living into that. Um, we have to go to God empty-handed and receive his righteousness. You know, the problem we have is we want to be in control. We actually want to earn it. We have available to us this righteousness that goes beyond all righteousness that would make us completely satisfied, but we in our pride want to earn it. And there's two big problems with that. One, it keeps us from living out our real core identity, Christ in us. And two, it gets us trying harder to ride the bike on our own to thinking that, oh, maybe willpower is enough to live like Jesus. No. Today, today, we're not all going to leave here excellent bike riders. We're not all going to leave here with wonderful lives just like Jesus. But if Yoda Paul is right here, we can move forward. We can, we can get a lot closer to that if we'll just let it sink in that we are raised with Christ. Christ, Jesus, is in us right now. His beauty, his power is in us. That we are chosen and holy and dearly loved. Come, Holy Spirit, come and show us that that is our core identity. That is who we are. Help us to live out of our identity in Jesus. And Lord, Lord, help us to stop stealing self, to self-assertion, self-satisfaction from things like popularity and power and achievement. No, Lord, help us to just look to you because all that matters is you and who we are in you, chosen and holy and dearly loved. Come. Okay, um, hopefully we see that it's a good thing for us to know what it looks like to ride the bike. That's good. But even more important is for us to know who we are as bike riders, who we are as followers of Jesus, that that identity is what actually changes us, Christ in us. That's where we got to go. Now, next... Paul, he gives us some like exercises that we can take our identity in Jesus, 
as followers of Jesus, and we can translate those into living like Jesus. And I gotta tell you, this is Yoda Paul stuff too. Because maybe you remember Star Wars, right? Luke gets trained by Yoda to be a Jedi, but Yoda does weird things, like have him like practice piggyback rides and move rocks with his mind. I mean, that, how does that work to make you a Jedi? Similarly here, this may seem strange. It, you know, Paul's training exercises, these exercises to, to press into transformation, they can seem nuts to us. And he's got three big ones we're gonna touch on. Their, their forgiveness, and peace and thankfulness. And maybe they seem odd, but let me tell you, they work. So first off, we're to bear with each other. We're to forgive each other as Christ has forgiven us. Now, clearly, if we're holding on to grudges, if we're plotting our revenge against people, we're not living like Jesus. But this isn't about trying harder right? It's about letting that life of Jesus that's already in us, letting that life come out. And Jesus, he actually tells us a little story that helps us make more sense. You can read it. It's in Matthew chapter 18. He tells a story about a servant who owes the king like a billion dollars. Huge debt. It's time to pay and he can't pay. And so, you know, the normal thing to do back in that culture would be throw the guy into, into prison or actually sell him. The king could sell him, sell his wife, sell his kids, sell them all into slavery to help pay the debt. But the king doesn't. Amazingly, he forgives, he wipes out the entire debt. It's crazy. Later, this same servant has a fellow servant that owes him like 500 bucks and he won't be patient. He won't forgive that debt. He throws that guy into prison. It is just absurd. It's super offensive what the servant does. I mean, did he not understand what a huge thing it was for the king to forgive his billion-dollar debt? I mean, did he think he deserved it? It doesn't look like he was thankful at all. It doesn't look like he got it, like it changed his heart. In our lives, who is it that we're having trouble forgiving? Is there a person that we'd like to see bad things happen to? Maybe we'd like to see them thrown into prison. Don't bother just trying to have more mercy forgiveness for them. Nope. Instead, do this. Make as long a list as you can of all the sins in your life. All the things you've done against God. All the selfishness and pride and lies. All of that. Just see all the things and then know that you don't deserve to be forgiven for any of those. Yet, Jesus came, he suffered, and he died for you. He would have done it just for you. Feel the weight of your sin and the depth of Jesus' love, his incredible love. Let what's in you change you, and then try again to forgive. And, and, you know, we may have to make a few runs at this, but it is so worth it to actually forgive. Don't drink the poison thinking it'll kill the other person. No, seriously, let's be free. Let's live the new life. Next, we're to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Okay? And Jesus right? This guy was the least anxious person in any room that he went into, 
right? Jesus was completely calm and cool and collected. He was always confident. I want to be that, right? I want to ride my bike like that. Now, first though, I need to say that coming out of the pandemic, we have a serious mental health crisis going on in America. It is sad and tragic. And so if you need professional help for anxiety, depression, whatever it is, get help. God works through talk therapy and medication and he still does miracles. Get prayer too, you can, right here at the end of the service. Do both, press in for today. How do we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? Well, we're going to look at three things that rob us of that peace. First, striving. Oh, this is me. Mr. Workaholic, right? I slip into thinking, right? If I could just do more, if I could just accomplish more, work harder, then I would be good. I would be good in this life. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm actually striving for righteousness. If you're the kind of person that's striving for accomplishment, for popularity, for recognition, you're striving for righteousness too. But what's going on here? I mean, Jesus accepts us. Why isn't that enough? I mean, why aren't Jesus' accomplishments for us enough for us? If we're going to ride the bike, if we're going to actually live like Jesus, we got to wrestle with questions like that. Come, Holy Spirit, and show us. Show us how Jesus is good enough. He is enough. Next, emptiness. Today, we have so much stuff. We do so much. We have unlimited access to information and entertainment and distraction. And yet when we are alone with our thoughts, we can often feel so alone, so empty, so lonely. But wait a minute, Jesus is in us. How come we're not connecting with him in us? How come we're not feeling his presence fill us up? Come, Holy Spirit, and show us. Help us to feel your presence, connect with it, even when we're alone. Next, insecurity. What happens when we um, post something online and no one comments, no one even likes it? What happens when people criticize us what we've done, how we do things. Many of us, it tears us up. It eats us up inside. You know, if, if I could just be smarter or prettier or better or faster or whatever it is. But wait a minute. If we're followers of Jesus, we have Jesus' perfection in us, his righteousness. How could we be any better? If we're good enough for Jesus to love us, how come we can't love ourselves? Come, Holy Spirit, and show us. Help us to be secure in our core identity as followers of Jesus. Okay, one more exercise that Paul gives us to take our identity as followers of Jesus and translate it into living like Jesus. He says, be thankful. Be thankful. 
It's in verse 15, 16, 17, thankfulness, gratitude. He says it over and over again. Seriously, today, in your notes, you should underline, you should circle, be thankful. This is a big deal. It's been a huge deal, I'll tell you, in my life. A huge deal. Back when I was like a big shot lawyer and, you know, I had all the corporate success and the big house and the family, and back then, I also had a beautiful dog, and I would walk this dog every day. I'd get up in the morning, 15, 20 minutes, I would walk the dog, and I would thank Jesus for the blessings in my life, the things he'd done. And let me tell you, it was super easy, right? I'm walking the dog, and I'm thanking him for the, the dream job, the money, the family. The, I'm, I had so much to thank him for. It was great. Then over time, I'd say probably about a year, it, it started to sink in, like, wait a minute. The, the biggest thing that I have to thank Jesus for is for his love, for the, the thing that he did on the cross for me, that he would die, that he would do that, experience hell for a sinner like me. That's the biggest thing I had to thank him for. So I started each morning to thank him for that first. Thank you, Jesus, for your love on the cross. Thank you for what you did for me. And that changed who I was. It, it changed my priorities. It helped me to ride the bike more, to live more like Jesus. And that went on for years, doing that. And then after a while, I would say maybe more like five years, it started to sink in that Jesus' love, what he did on the cross, is not my greatest blessing. It's not. My greatest blessing is Jesus. He is the prize. And so I, so I started to thank him each morning. Jesus, I thank you for you, for Jesus, that I have you in my life, that I have this relationship with you, that I have you in me bringing me to life. And that changed how I saw my identity. It allowed me more and more to live into who I am. Seriously, I'm not kidding about this business. Being thankful is a huge deal. For me, there's no way I would have went from big shot attorney to pastor here without walking the dog and being thankful. Listen to Paul. Be thankful. Take time to be thankful. It can make your life so much better. It can allow Jesus to bring you to life. All right. If, if we're followers of Jesus, we're his apprentices. We're his students. And we're not, we're not here to just learn that we ought to live like Jesus, that, that it's good to live like Jesus. No, and we're not here to just try harder. Yoda Paul is right. You know, making yourself alive, you stop, stop. No, if we're going to ride the bike, if we're going to live like Jesus, if we're going to come to life, then we're going to live the life, the life of Jesus that's already in us. That is our new life. That is eternal life in us. We're going to press into living that. And it starts with seeing that we are raised with Christ, that Jesus is in us, that we are chosen and holy and dearly loved. That is our core identity. Will we embrace that identity? And will we maybe even take some time to do some exercises to, to take that identity through, through forgiveness and, 
and peace and, and even thankfulness to translate that into living like Jesus? Will we press into this with God? I tell you what, why don't you stand up with me? We're going to move into what we here at the Vineyard talk about is ministry time, and you can give God your answer to those questions. We're just going to spend some time interacting with him. So if right now you're like, yep, I want that, Jesus. I want to actually ride the bike. I want to live like Jesus more and more in your life. Right now is the time to just say yes, yep. Jesus, I want that. I don't even, you might not even know what it means. You might not even know how to make that happen. But if that's what you want, tell him. That is the first step to say, yep, Jesus, I want that. So Lord Jesus, come right now. Holy Spirit, come. And for all of us, us that are saying to you, yes, I want to actually ride the bike. I, I don't want to just think about how I ought to. I don't want to be ashamed that I'm not. I want to ride it and I want to ride it well. Lord, I pray that you meet us in that. You, Lord, are so good at honoring the earnest desires of our heart. And so come now. Come now and meet us if we want that. And Lord, I ask that you come even in this room right now. You come into all the rooms that are listening online and you fill them with your love and your grace. You help us to get our eyes onto Jesus. You help us to put our eyes on him and the fact that he is in us. Lord, help us to move beyond all the other identities in our lives that we're looking to for righteousness, to be okay, to fill us up. And help us to just focus on Jesus. He's the one that makes us okay. He's the one that allows us to live the good life to have real life. Help us to focus it on him. And God, as we're doing this, I think many of us, we're gonna see places in our lives where you're asking us to live this out. Maybe it's sin issues. It's the anger, rage, malice, filthy life. That we're, you're saying, leave those behind. Break free from that. And if that's us, God, help us just say yes, yes. I want to live like Jesus. For others of us, it's these, even the things that we've seen today. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, love. We see places in our lives where we're being, being invited to live that out more. Well, Lord, let that come from in us, from you in us. Help us to step out and live that. Come, Holy Spirit. I ask for transformation in each of us in the Duluth Vineyard. We want to be like Jesus. Come. You know, I'm going to invite the ministry team to come forward. And um, this is a great chance. If you feel like God is doing things in your heart today to let someone pray for you, someone that's trained to pray for you. And if you don't feel like God's doing anything, it's a great opportunity to come up and say, hey, I'm having trouble connecting with this. Can you pray for me? You know, maybe it's you don't have a good picture of who Jesus is and what he did and what's in you. Let someone pray for that. Or maybe where you're at is you have a terrific picture of that and you are fired up and you are ready to press into this and you're so excited. Let's celebrate that. Let's pray for that. Or maybe in, in listening to this, you're like, wait a minute, 
I, I, I am stuck forgiving people. I don't have peace in my life. I am full of insecurity and emptiness. Or I, I'm at a place in my life where I just, I, I, I can't be thankful. I don't have it in me. Let's pray for that. Whatever it is that you need prayer for, whatever it is that stands in the way of you connecting with your real identity and living like Jesus, let's pray for that. Maybe you need physical healing. Maybe it's things in your relationships, in your finances. We would love to pray for whatever God is doing. The thing that I know is that if we slow down, if we take some time, if we worship, God will meet us. I ask that you do that now. Thanks for coming to the vineyard.